the following, a podcast dedicated to two words Jesus used to change the world, follow me. He used it then and he uses it now. What does it mean? Does it define the boundaries of our relationship with him? Come and join us as we explore follow me in the following. Hello, everybody. We're back for session number 19 in our quest for the following. Uh, I told you, uh, the, the, discussion, excuse me, the following is a, is a discussion about the significance of Jesus' two-word call to his original disciples, to follow me. It's a little portion of the scripture that always seemed a bit magical to me as a child. These guys would be just out fishing and whatever, and Jesus would come along and say, follow me, and boom, bang, they'd drop everything and leave him. Uh, the story's thicker than that, but the the the, the uh, call on their lives is, is the same. Uh, it, uh, we want to discover if there's some dimension of faith that we've been missing out on because we've um, lost touch with the basic call to follow me, follow Jesus. Uh, one of the things that is interesting about Jesus is that he tends to be a simplifier of of, of um, um, theology and 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 spirituality, we tend to complicate it uh, because it makes us feel better. But Jesus reduced everything. He reduced everything to loving God and loving a people. Uh, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your strength and your neighbors yourself. And that was how Jesus said it. contained the whole gospel, the whole word of God. Uh, and I, I think in the same way, follow me, encapsulates uh, the, the nature of, of our life after we believe in Jesus. I told you when we started that... Uh, I wanted to try to see if we could somehow, in our minds, position ourselves uh, beside the, the disciples and beside Jesus, and, and uh, um, so we could look at the narrative passages of the Scripture a, a little differently. When our kids were younger, we would uh, we had Friday nights was called Star Trek night. Uh, it was a good way to stay together a little bit longer before the kids grew up and started going out at night and lose a little bit of control. But we we had good times watching Star Trek. If you ever watch the show, you'll remember that the crew of the Enterprise could beam themselves down onto the uh, whatever planet they just discovered. Uh, and when they used a cloaking device, they could go invisibly, not be seen or, and, or heard or pre- even perceived. But that gave Captain Kirk and his team supreme advantage and observed a chance to observe the, the people that they had uh, stumbled upon. The aliens would talk freely and would provide the needed clues our heroes to solve their problems and save the day just before the credits rolled. It would be great, would be great if there were some kind of, kind of transporter beam that had time change capacity. You and I could just go and be this, uh, take it apart and, uh, metabolically and, and fashion it again with, with a cloaking device and, and actually sit and hear the sermon on the mount for ourselves. We could watch the reactions of the people at Jesus' feet, his disciples and the other people as he uh, preached the Sermon on the Mount. We could watch the reaction on the disciples' face in the face of the crowd when Jesus healed someone or got into it with a bunch of Pharisees. These were real people responding to a challenging call in their lives. They woke up every day not knowing what paradigm-bending event they would experience. So I want us to try to do it with our imagination, put ourselves in the room when Peter becomes the leader of the following after Jesus ascends to heaven. Usually we deal with the narrative parts of Scripture like, or the parts that tell the story. We don't usually take time to watch and listen as if we were in the crowd or in the room. 
Uh, we don't try to smell the smells and hear the voices. If we imagine anything at all, we tend to be two, it tends to be two-dimensional renderings, like a movie or a television screen. And we look back, uh, um, we look through nearly 2,000 years of comment and consideration and conclusions, stacked with like dozens of filters obscuring the nuance in the background of the, the events. We read words in the voice and voice them in our day. There's nothing sinister about that. It's just the way things are. I have to admit that it takes some effort to get into that place. My wife Kitty is an avid reader who reads widely. She really loves a significant novel. As a reader of fiction, she has the ability to enter into a story and place herself mentally near the action, to feel and react like it's happening in front of her. That's what I was... That's how we should read the narrative portions of the New Testament. The people we meet in the New Testament were not born with circles on their heads. Those were added later by artists. The, the halos uh, did, were not there when Jesus was alive. We've been looking at the experiences Peter had while following Jesus. Peter was a real person. Every experience he had impacted him deeply. deeply. He said yes to following Jesus, and, and, and everything changed. The pace of change was so rapid that at times he was barely holding on. Some of his encounters with Jesus led to praise, others, others led to rebuke. Jesus was not in the habit of calling people to aside to administer correction. He was usually very direct and he tended to praise and punish in public. Parts of getting to uh, next to these characters means allowing ourselves to feel the way they the, the way you would feel. Uh, and realize that Peter probably felt very much the same way. It takes a lot of meditating on the characters to, um, uh, as they emerge from the pages of Scripture. The Hebrew word for meditate is hagad, and it means to moan or churn. Isaiah 38 puts it like, uses the word for the moan of a dove. Um, like a swallow... Like a crane, so I twitter and I moan, like a dove. You hear how the dove just just turns his, his the air going into his body just over and over and over again. That's how we're supposed to do as we meditate. Just keep keep the story turning over and over. Kitty can tell you when I get into the meditation mode. We can be driving somewhere and she'll tell me she'll look at me and say, "You're preaching again." Not really preaching, just reacting to the text. Last time we left Simon Peter, he had just had a come-to-Jesus meeting. Maybe the very first come-to-Jesus meeting ever, you get my point. Jesus had been crucified, he had died, and had risen from, on the third day. In fact, Jesus had, was, the fact that Jesus was risen was appear, and appearing periodically would have proved to be a mixed fortunes for Peter. Peter, as was, we have noted, had an unevenly uneven performance in his time with Jesus. Some good, he had some good days and not, some not so good. He was commended and affirmed one day and sternly rebuked the same day. Uh, and it ended oh so badly. There was a time when Peter, Jesus told Peter that before the cock crowed, he would deny Jesus three times. He told Jesus it would never happen. Peter said, Jesus, I'll have your back. He didn't have Jesus' back. Peter had only said, yeah, I know him. What are you going to do about it? Or if you just run away with the other disciples, it would all have been different. But he stayed and denied Jesus three times. 
Then sometime after the resurrection, Jesus came to Peter right in the middle of his life. He had just decided to return to fishing um, in front of all the Peter's family and everybody that worked with him. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Later, Peter, do you love me? Yes, tend my lambs. Later, the third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, well, Lord, you know everything. You tell me. Feed my sheep. So it was Jesus' way of confronting Peter one-on-one and allowing Peter to look in his eyes and deal with the sense of guilt that came through the other side. Jesus chose to meet Peter at a place where he had first said to him, follow me, in order to force Peter to face uh, him and face this failure in front of the people and realize he was forgiven. Now he was responsible to lead the group of followers. The book of Acts tells us that there were 120 of them and lead them to take the gospel to the world. Just think about that. These are just 120 ordinary people. Jesus was about to leave with a simple task, just go reach the world with the gospel. Acts tells us that Jesus gathered a group of 120 together. Excuse me. Acts tells us that Jesus gathered his group of 120 together and told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for that which the Father had promised the Holy Spirit to not many days from now. Scripture says, So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is this the time you're restoring your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the epics which the Father has fixed by my own authority, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even the remotest part of the earth. Imagine if you were in that crowd and heard those, those words come out of Jesus' mouth. You were one part of the 120. And suddenly the, the, the weight of the world came resting on your shoulders with the promise that the weight would be shared uh, by the Holy Spirit. There's a wonderful mission statement for Peter and the 120 to embark on with Peter as leader. And then Jesus left. Uh, it says after he said these things, um, he was lifted up while they were looking on. The cloud received him out of their sight. He was, he was gone. He disappeared. Engulfed by a cloud. People thought maybe he was coming right back. So they just kept looking, hoping, wondering. Imagine that. Jesus just told you that you were responsible to take the gospel of the world. And then he chugged off. He biffed and left. They were gazing intently into the sky Although while he was going. Behold, two men in white stood, uh, clothing stood beside them. These angels keep appearing in the story, but this time the people aren't scared of angels. They don't have to say fear not. But they said, people of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? Jesus, who has been taken up from heaven, from you into heaven, will come just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. In other words, don't st- stay here looking in the sky. He gave you a job to do. Get after it. Go do what he told you to do. And they did. Uh, the scripture says they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which was near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. There was Peter and James and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women, Mary, mother of Jesus. And then the scripture says these words. At this time, Peter stood up. 
when I read that a few days ago, I was really t- touched and uh, stunned by it in a sense. Uh, Peter, after all you've gone through, all of the highs and lows and public, public embarrassments and public adulation, there came a time for somebody to take control. Jesus said it was him. But Peter had to take it. He had to step up. He had to stand up. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren and said, and then he went ahead and led them to replacing Judas with, with Matthias as the, the 12th disciple or apostle. Uh, Peter stood up because Jesus had forgiven him for his disloyalty. Peter stood up because Jesus had commissioned him. Peter stood up because he believed in himself. This was only the beginning. What would the thing, how would things have been if Peter had not stood up? And in our lives, from time to time, part of following means that we need to stand up. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again shortly.
the hope you gave to me. I wanna share the love that set me free. Thanks again for joining us. Let me just say I apologize for the bad uh, audio on that that song, but it's 40 years old and it's the best I got. So God bless you. Have a great day.